What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Fraternity. I'm your little brother, Danny, and I'm here with my big brother, Sean. How's everybody doing tonight? So as you know, it's International Movie Month over here at Fraternity. And last week, we went down to Mexico, tackled a little movie called Don't Panic by Ruben Galindo Jr. And for our last week of International Movie Month, we're going to a country which is probably a favorite of me and Sean's. Isn't that safe to say? Most definitely. We're going to Japan, and we're going to be tackling Uzumaki, the Junji Ito adaptation. You know, like you said, Danny, I've always had a thing for Japanese cinema, starting when I was a young kid watching Godzilla films. I'm also a big fan of the samurai film. I've never been into westerns because I've always been teen samurai. Like, I'll take Lone Wolf and Cub over any western any day of the week. So, one would assume that J-Horror and I were meant for each other, right? Right. Unfortunately, unless you really had your fingers on the pulse of international horror and were importing your films, there was not much in the way of Japanese horror on these shores for quite some time. At least not widely known or available. It wasn't until the American remakes of things like The Ring and The Grudge were released to acclaim that we started to see some real Western penetration for J-horror. For every next Japanese horror remake, you would start to see a home video release of the original film on the rental shelves. Then the niche labels of the day got in on the action by releasing lesser-known Japanese horror films for us hardcore horror fans who were just clamoring for more. It became the proverbial smorgasbord in the early to late 2000s, and I for one could not get enough of it. For every remake and OG release of films like Pulse, One Missed Call, or Dark Water, We were starting to be able to take deeper dives into the catalogs of filmmakers like Takashi Miike or Shinya Tsukamoto. We also got a tidal wave of incredible, classic, terrifying, bad, or just plain bizarre movies like Battle Royal, Itchy the Killer, Versus, the Guinea Pig series, Suicide Club, Stacy, and Electric Dragon 80,000 V, just to name a few of my personal favorites. One of the films that really stood out in this period was the 2000 film Uzumaki. It wasn't until the mid-2000s that I discovered it at an FYE and immediately purchased it and added it to my collection. It's a very unique film that I can't wait to discuss. I wouldn't call it my favorite Japanese horror film, but it's definitely up there near the top. I haven't had the opportunity to watch it in a long time because I ended up ignorantly getting rid of my copy before that DVD reached some astronomical secondhand prices. But it's amazing that it's on Prime right now and we are taking the opportunity to cover it here and wrap up our international horror celebration. But before we get into the film, I know you're a big fan of manga And actually a big fan of this artist who created Uzumaki, if I'm not mistaken. So why don't you tell us a little about that, Danny? Yeah, well, I'm a big fan of Japanese media, much like you. I mean, I came into the game a little bit later. It wasn't until around 2011, 2012, when I really started to get into anime 
you know, I was watching classics like Cowboy Bebop and Evangelion. And before that, of course, you know, I watched stuff that was on Toonami. But around that time was when I really got into it and discovered my love of Japanese media and films and anime and manga. And yeah, Junji Ito, he's a really great artist. You actually got me the Uzumaki manga, uh, not last Christmas, but the Christmas before that. And I hate to say I haven't read it yet, but after watching the film, I definitely want to give it a proper reading now. I've read a couple of Junji Ito's short stories, and I really like those. So I'm really glad that we're finally going to uh, tackle a movie. Awesome, man. Well, let's get right into it if you're ready. Absolutely. But before that, just wanted to say you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Fraternity. That's at Fraternity. Tweet at us, DM us, just come and say hi. We'd love to chat with you. We have an email, fraternity at gmail.com. That's fraternity at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, anything at all. We'll respond. We have a YouTube channel. If you go over to YouTube, type in Fraternity in the search bar, our channel will come up where we upload previous episodes of the show every Wednesday. Those go up every Wednesday. And they have a little bit of a visual treat to them. They're not just static images. There's some editing that goes into the video. So go over there, like, subscribe, and keep up to date with everything Fraternity's doing. We see the eyes, or should I say I, of our main character, a young girl named Kiri. She mentions her town, Kurozucho, and expresses a desire to share a tale of a strangeness that occurred there. We then see the body of a young man with his brain splattered on the floor as he lays at the bottom of a spiral staircase. We rotate around as the camera pulls back higher and higher before we see a spiral and the title Uzumaki appears. We then see Kiri standing on the outskirts of town as a strong gust of wind hits her from out of nowhere. Very fitting, as we see this film is told in chapters, and chapter one is titled premonition and i just have to say that i love small town horror i really love when a horror film is able to bring a small location to life like this it connects you to the film more i think and you don't even need to have that many characters to make it work and make it feel like the whole prefecture is being affected by this you know the film does a really good job of setting up the town and just the friendliness of all the citizens of Kurozocho, you know, and we see Kyrie's seemingly calm, mundane day-to-day life, and we just know that once the horror hits, we're gonna care about these characters. And there's some lighthearted music in this beginning chapter here, and it all works to really uh sell the horror later on. Yeah, as she runs through the town, she runs into a guy named Yamaguchi. And he is this obsessed classmate who yearns for her, but goes about it in obnoxious ways, always springing up on her and being way too aggressive. It's like, she don't like you, bro. Get a clue. But we do get a taste of the fun in store for us because this film is extremely creative, visually speaking. As Yamaguchi rambles, we see him sideways on the screen. He's even upside down. He's just popping up in all these different directions. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about this film is the really unique shots and the unique 
editing of the scenes and how they really flow. It really adds a voice of its own. Yeah, and the entire film is shot with a green filter, but it isn't Matrix green. It's more washed out than that. It gives this movie a mysterious yet sickly look. I'm not sure if this will make sense, but the best way I can describe it is it's like a gray tone green. I just really like the look of it. Yeah, it looks grimy and kind of old, you know, it, it looks really cool. Yeah, Kiri finally breaks away from Yamaguchi and runs off, and she ends up spotting her childhood friend, Shuichi's father, crouched in an alley with a camcorder. And he's in his own world as he films the shell of a snail. We then see Kiri waiting outside of a tunnel that leads into town for Shuichi, who arrives on his bicycle and gives Kiri a ride on the back as they ride through the town. We see a cop in flip-flops who we see periodically. He doesn't do much besides yell at the kids every time he sees them because two people on one bike is illegal, don't you know? We also see two women who work at a beauty salon and they notice their sign is missing. So we're getting a nice trickle of audio and visual hints at something bizarre going on. And I think it's worth mentioning that throughout the movie, there are obvious and not so obvious Uzumaki present. In the clouds, on buildings, sometimes they look like some kind of anomalies ripping through reality. I doubt I've even noticed all of them, but it's a lot of fun to keep your eyes peeled for them. And I don't want to say much more because I wouldn't want to ruin the ability for you to play Spot the Spiral yourselves. Yeah, there was definitely a handful that I had missed the first time and noticed the second time. And it, and yeah, it's just like, man, I wonder what other scenes these spirals just happen to be in and I never noticed. Yeah. Kiri and Shuichi go hang out in a park, but Shuichi appears withdrawn. And it isn't until Kiri mentions running into his father that he opens up on how his father's been acting really strange lately. And then he asks her to elope with him, to her surprise, before asking that she forget he said it at all and he takes her home. And back at home, Kiri notices a pair of shoes at the door, and we see that Shuichi's father has come to pay Kiri's dad a visit. He's a talented potter, and we watch as Toshio, Shuichi's dad, films him working on a bowl. He praises his craftsmanship and rants about the Uzumaki, and we can see the Uzumaki in the spinning clay. I really like how this scene is filmed and how uncomfortable Toshio makes Goshima. It's a claustrophobic bit, and Toshio has no respect for personal space. He's also sticking his camcorder in Goshima's face or down into the spinning bowl. It's a dizzying affair that closes out with Toshio requesting a dish with the Uzumaki pattern. Yeah, I love how Toshio is filming everything with the camcorder, and sometimes we get the shots of what the camcorder is filming, and we get that shot where the uh, we see the spiral, and it's just so mesmerizing you know you almost feel mesmerized by it like toshio is <laughs> yeah those are some great touches in the scene for sure and later that night we watch as kiri flips through a photo album and we get this adorable montage of her long-standing friendship with shuichi last week i made a joke during the date scene and don't panic about the only thing missing being a moment where the girl drops her ice cream scoop from her cone and the boy gives his to her to cheer her up. 
Well, that's exactly what we get here, Danny. Totally unplanned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah, this I just adore this scene and how it's framed with the photographs in the scrapbook. And it's like it's flipping through them, creating like a flipbook animation as we're seeing Kyrie and Shuichi's backstory and how Shuichi's really always been there for Kyrie. Just very, very pure and heartwarming. Yeah, I love how they put the same glasses on the little boy playing him here to really drive home the fact of who this is. Yeah, definitely. Definitely feels like it could be the same actors. (laughs) As for the question on eloping, though, Kiri is still not quite ready to commit to that. And at school the next day, we meet Kiri's closest friend. I think her name is Ishikawa. And they sidestep the obnoxious and ever-persistent Yamaguchi and head upstairs. And while walking upstairs, the body of the young man comes crashing down from high above, his body just flying past him. And we see him laying at the base of the spiral staircase just like before, only this time we see that cracked cranium pouring blood, and there's already the bits of brain that are no longer in his skull laying there. Great stuff. Yeah, I appreciate the splattered brain matter, because I feel like not enough uh, death by falling scenes in films have that aftermath of just like the splattered body (laughs) so when it's there i always appreciate it he's still smiling danny (laughs) yeah he was happy the girls retreat to the bathroom to collect themselves and discuss the incident when all of a sudden the popular girls emerge and their toilet stalls all swing open simultaneously (laughs) the main girl sekino states that the boy died happy because popularity is all that matters and his death will garner him far more fame or infamy rather than his lame existence. And I love there's a bit here where she puts her cigarette out on the stall and we literally see like a miniature explosion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it, it gets me every time. It just catches you so off guard. The little explosion cigarette. So delightfully, uh... Japanese. (laughs) Yeah, even the girls are like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And after school, we see our two non-eloping lovebirds hanging out again. And they're talking about this boy who died. And Shuichi puts it together that he died on a spiral staircase. And he begins to explain the Uzumaki and the troubled feelings he's having about the town. He believes it to be cursed by the Uzumaki and wants to get out before it's too late. We also get this creepy comedic shot of Yamaguchi spying on them from behind a tree and his fingers are clawing deep chunks out of this tree. So anime here. (laughs) Right. That's what I really like about this movie is that it's not trying to be like realistic. It's just having fun with adapting the manga. And sometimes you're going to have goofy stuff, but that's just the nature of uh, manga and anime. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's even some American movies out there where you watch it and you're like, this feels like a live action cartoon, you know, and here it's definitely a live action manga taking place before your eyes. Yeah, total respect for the genre. Yeah, for sure. 
But Kiri is suspicious of Shuichi's musings about the town due to her lack of any first-hand experience, and she chalks the staircase death up to just an accident. And Shuichi begins to tell her about his father and his madness towards the Uzumaki. He's no longer working, he spends all day collecting anything that he can find with an Uzumaki pattern. We see him sitting in this awesome room full of Uzumaki junk just all over the place. Shuichi then tells her about a recent incident at dinner. We see him telling his mother that something isn't right, as we see Toshio return home with the sign that was stolen from the beauty salon. His dad is so crazy at this point that he won't even eat food without the uzumaki. Shuichi's mother, Yuki, loads his miso soup with spiral fish cake, and Toshio just gobbles them up, and he throws a fit when he's told there's no more. But he circumvents the problem by using his chopsticks to spin the miso soup around and around until he can see the uzumaki pattern in the liquid. Yeah, I really love these scenes with Shuichi's dad here, showing how tr- truly deranged he he has become with being so obsessed with the uzumaki and how he's just devouring the fish cakes and totally enamored by the sign that he stole. <laughs> I love the way he stares at the spiral on the fish cake first and moves his head with it and then eats it. (laughs) (laughs) Even Kiri can't help but chuckle, but Shuichi makes it clear that he does not believe this to be a laughing matter. So he takes her to his house so that she can see for herself. And upon their arrival, we see Toshio accosting his wife. And it turns out the Uzumaki collection has been thrown out. But Shuichi confesses that it was he who tossed out the Uzumaki. Then Toshio tells them it doesn't matter. Because he has learned that one creates their own Uzumaki. He then demonstrates this by removing his glasses and rotating his eyes independently of one another. And we watch in horror as his eyes spiral all around in their sockets, causing Kiri to pass out. And that's the end of chapter one, Danny. Quite a delightfully creepy end to chapter one here. (laughs) Oh yeah. We enter chapter two, titled Erosion, finding Kiri in class and becoming as withdrawn as Shuichi was at the beginning of the film. And this class gets interrupted when this slimy student walks in. And we're talking slimy, (laughs) dude. (laughs) Absolutely slathered. He moves slow, he talks slow, he goes... (laughs) so this goop is dripping off his face while he apologizes for being late he doesn't understand why since he left the same time that he usually does and he started to show up for classes only when it rains and i just want to say i love this actor playing the teacher who's just losing his shit with all the kids (laughs) Yeah, just totally neurotic. (laughs) Yelling at all the kids, (laughs) making jokes. I've seen him in a few other movies too, and he's always great in whatever he's given to do. (laughs) So, Slime Bucket goes to take his seat after being ridiculed by some of the other students, and he slowly makes his way to a seat before getting tripped by one of the boys. And he even falls slow. (laughs) (laughs) But he's falling like a tree here, and he hits the floor, and his goo splatters on the student that tripped him. 
So naturally, this student begins to kick the shit out of him. And while he's doing this, we see there's a snail shell growing out of his back. It's even pulsating here, Danny. Oh, nasty. Nasty body horror. <laughs> Weird body horror. <laughs> yeah. And as the students and teacher focus on this fight, we do get a brief glance at Sakino as she flips her hair, and we can see her hair beginning to curl on the ends into the Uzumaki. So, more strange things are affecting more people in this town. Meanwhile, we see that Shuichi and his mother are spending their days searching for help for his father to no avail. And we get another brief scene of Yamaguchi bothering Kiri once again as she walks home in the pouring rain. He startles her with a jack-in-the-box before she shoves him to the ground and demands that he leave her alone. He questions why she doesn't like him, and she tells him that he just isn't her type, but we know Yamaguchi isn't going to give up. We see her waiting at the tunnel, but Shuichi never arrives. And when she finally gets home, Kiri's dad asks her to take the Uzumaki platter over to Shuichi's father. And although she's timid, she does oblige. And she arrives at the empty house and searches for anyone. And when Shuichi arrives home with his mother, they hear Kiri's nearby scream. And they find her in a laundry room. We aren't shown what, but something. Evidently, Toshio is dead inside that washing machine. Yeah, I really like how this scene plays out as we see Kyrie go into the house. It's like her face fades in and out. And then, yeah, we don't get to see the payoff, but instead we pan over and see Shuichi with his mom as they hear Kyrie screams. We're only left to wonder what possibly she could have seen and how horrifying it really could be, you know? It's one of those uh, scenes where you're really left up to your imagination, but I feel like it almost aids in that way. Oh, yeah. I personally forgot that the film doesn't immediately show you what's in there. It's kind of maddening because you want to know, but it does reveal it to us in a few different ways a bit later on. So all's well that ends well, right? Yeah, we do get the payoff later. But like I said, when you're just imagining what could possibly have gone wrong in this washing machine, you know, it's almost like nothing could live up to your expectation. So I do like how it plays out here. Yeah, agreed. We see some of the townsfolk gathered for the funeral of Toshio, and we can see they're already cremating him. There's smoke coming out of the smokestacks. And suddenly... Shuichi's mom screams and goes all Soundgarden black hole sun eyed <laughs> as we see the smoke forming a spiral in the skies above them. Even after death, Shuichi's dad is still obsessed with the spiral. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Shuichi's mom passes out and they rush her to the hospital as we see the smoke reach down like a cyclone and it winds up touching down in the center of dragonfly pond did they call it not sure what's going on there <laughs> not sure we'll ever know <laughs> but at the hospital we meet a reporter character who wants to investigate the strange occurrences they show him toshio's tapes and he actually recorded his own death we see him place a mirror in the washing machine before he just climbs in and boy, is there something creepy about watching someone in the first person climbing into a washing machine. And place a mirror in there. 
Yeah, I guess to watch himself, right? <laughs> yeah, he wanted to see himself become the spiral. The ultimate pleasure. <laughs> oh my god. But Danny, when they turn the tape off, we do see the apparition of Toshio standing in the room. And we can see this elongated tongue spiraling out of his mouth. Creepy image there. Yeah, I really love that shot. Now, I do want to talk about this reporter. Because this character and all of this is a bit frustrating to me. Because let's just get this out of the way now. This movie never explains itself or what's really going on or why these things are even happening to begin with. And I'm sure some people will find that pretty frustrating. But I personally don't think this movie requires an explanation. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. You know, definitely the first time you're wondering, are we going to get an explanation? Because they do kind of set up this reporter and he has, you know, like a detective montage later on where he's doing some investigating into the town's history but ultimately we really don't learn anything from that and in the end we're not sure why the town has been cursed by the uzumaki i don't think you need an explanation i don't think it would add anything to the film i think the film stands on its own being this tale about a curse and having these different horror set pieces all throughout the movie you know that's what i take out of it you know just really interesting and unique horror one i don't think they were out to tell a a story and two i don't think it needs it anyway yeah i definitely think it works how it is but at the same time that's why i do get frustrated with this reporter like the reporter finds out information regarding serpents mirrors and something about ancient mirrors discovered in the middle of dragonfly pond but all you really need to know is there's a curse that afflicts this town but the affliction is intermittent so we have no idea when the last occurrence may have been and that's why no one is really aware of it yeah the reporter scenes definitely feel like a bit of a sidetrack and i think And I think chapter two is probably the weakest of the three or of the four, actually, for that reason, because it does get a little sidetracked into this reporter stuff. But in the end, uh, as a whole, I don't think it really brings the movie down. Yeah. And that's the most important thing, right? I'm just airing a grievance because I think we could have spent this time. We could have spent this time doing something else, you know? Yeah, no, I think it's good to talk about it, too. And you'll see why it's so frustrating, even though it does deliver somewhat of a payoff a little later on. But as this reporter drives Kiri home, he almost runs over her dad. And we see her dad is covered in mud and carrying buckets full of clay that he says he collected from the pond. And it's very clear that he's now affected by Uzumaki. Yeah, acting in the same creepy manner as Toshio was. He went for clay at the dragonfly pond (laughs) and just all smiley and creepy. Then back at the hospital, we learn that Shuichi's mother has developed a severe case of spirophobia when he discovers that she's cut her fingerprints off with scissors, Danny. Now that's brutal and unique there. We do see this too. We don't see him clipped off, but we see the aftermath and it is 
as nasty as you're probably imagining if you haven't seen this movie. Yeah, and I just like the reveal because Shuichi comes in to take care of his mother and goes to take off the covers and we get this nasty squish sound and then he <laughs> looks at her hands and she's just missing all of her uh, fingerprints. <laughs> Ugh. We then get this awesome nightmare scene where Kiri approaches the washing machine and opens the lid. And inside we see, I'm pretty sure this is her, right? Yeah, it looks like her. Yeah, we see her face sitting atop human flesh that has been wrapped around in the Uzumaki. So we can imagine this is what Shuichi's dad probably looked like, right? But here it's Kiri. Right, yeah, she's having a nightmare about what she saw, but instead of Shuichi's dad, she sees herself become the spiral. Yeah, and then this nightmare image of her opens its eyes and sticks the elongated Uzumaki tongue out, causing Kiri to wake up screaming. And she hears a pot break and goes to investigate. And she discovers her father staring into his kiln. And when she calls to him, he lashes out at her and tells her to go back to bed before staring back into the fire. And we can see the Uzumaki swirling in his eyes. Yeah, such a stark contrast because Kyrie and her dad had such a wholesome relationship at the beginning of the movie. And here he is yelling at her to go to bed as he's just staring into the kiln. I guess flames do spiral from time to time, right? And... (laughs) This character seems to disappear at a certain point, but I do believe he goes into that kiln, if I had to guess. (laughs) Back at school, things are clearly getting even weirder. We see the girls in gym class, and everyone pauses when they notice Sekino's wildly large and spiraling hair. We also see more of the boys are starting to transform into the snails. And they have a thirst for water that cannot be quenched. (laughs) I think I'd rather the hair, Danny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If I had to choose between snail and hair, I'm taking hair. Yeah, the snail seems like the most painful. It's like a slow transformation. You're thirsty all the time. You start becoming slimy. You only want to come out in the rain. (laughs) Oh, man. And then it's here that we get the extended detective scene with the reporter doing all the research. After that, we see the precautions that Shuichi is going to protect his mother. He's going so far as to throw out cakes with icing globs that remotely resemble an Uzumaki pattern. They're wearing hats and gloves. But at this hospital, Shuichi receives a page and finds out the reporter wants to meet with him as soon as possible. And there's a great bit of foreshadowing here where... Shuichi notices a poster on a wall that shows the Uzumaki pattern in the inner ear, and he tears it down because we can't let mom figure that one out, right? (laughs) (laughs) So him and Kiri go to meet the reporter, and they end up getting confronted by Yamaguchi, and he tells her that she'll never forget him as he runs out in front of the reporter's car, as luck would have it. And the reporter runs him over and then careens into a pole. And we see that Yamaguchi's body has been mangled and twisted around the left front wheel. He's wrapped around it like this gory Uzumaki. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, his body is just obliterated and he's totally wrapped around the 
tire. Yeah, but this this kill is a twofer because the reporter does die and his eyeball gets stuck in the windshield and the cracks in the windshield make an Uzumaki pattern with his eyeball in the middle. Really great imagery. Yeah, that's a great image. And that is also why the reporter scenes are a giant waste of time because he just dies. We then get a touching scene by Dragonfly Pond between Kiri and Shuichi as they discuss their frightening reality before we race off to Chapter 3, titled Visitation. And Chapter 3 Danny starts out with a horrifying scene where a millipede attempts to crawl into Shuichi's mother's ear while she sleeps. Oh, I guess I should bring up that I have a personal experience with Bugs crawling in ears, huh? Oh. I'll I'll tell this story. I think you owe it to our listeners. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we love horror so much, sometimes it creeps into our personal lives. (laughs) (laughs) But this happened recently, last October. I remember the day because it was the day that the Sopranos movie was going to come out, The Many Saints of Newark. But also that same day was when the new Super Monkey Ball game was coming out. And I think that's just such a uh, testament to who I am. Like, I love Sopranos, one of the darkest shows ever created. But I also love uh, cute monkeys and balls puzzle games. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I went to sleep that night and I woke up. I heard something in my ear, like crawling and... You know, sometimes you wake up and you have like water in your ear. Sometimes maybe like crust fell in your ear and it feels like that. And I was like, what is that? You know, and like I groggily wake up and I go into the bathroom and I get a swab and I stick it in my ear. And that was a really bad idea because whatever was in my ear is now irritated that I tried to (laughs) kill it or whack it with a cotton swab. So now it's mad. And... If there's anything that Uzumaki got right, it was the sound it makes when the bug is crawling. It's just, I can't describe it, but hearing something crawling in your ear is just so unsettling. And to make matters worse, this bug was starting to bite. It's deep inside my ear. And so it's basically like biting on my eardrums, right? And it hurts so bad. You know, some of the worst pain I've ever felt. And I'm literally screaming because I'm in so much pain. And at this point, my girlfriend wakes up and she's like, oh my God, what's wrong? Like, and I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. I think I have to go to the hospital because I think my ear is like dying or something. Like, I have no idea what's going on. I feel like I'm having a brain hemorrhage. At that point, I didn't know it was a bug. So anyway, my girlfriend had this tool that you could fill water in and we attempt to flush it out. And thank God we got it out in one try. And I look in the sink. And there's just a little silverfish sitting in the sink that was deep, (laughs) deeply nested in my ear. And I'll tell you, I've never felt relief better than that when that thing was out of my ear. And it messed up my hearing. I had some pretty bad tinnitus for like a month or two before my hearing went back to normal. And after that, I sleep with earplugs. I don't sleep without (laughs) earplugs anymore. Like that experience scarred me. It was horrifying. I I wouldn't wish that on anybody. That was so scary to have something in your ear 
and just feel helpless like oh my god what the fuck am i gonna do like this hurts and like it would just like every 10 seconds it would bite again and i would be like ah like screaming because my eardrum is getting bitten and like i was like am i gonna have permanent damage like am i gonna lose my hearing like oh my god so you know thank thank you to my girlfriend she helped me out she got the bug out as quickly as i think we possibly could have so my hearing is okay as of now but that was true horror (laughs) and this scene brought up all those memories I don't want to sell your experience short, Danny, but it wasn't a millipede. Yeah, that's true. But she, <laughs> Shuichi's mom at least could grab the millipede. It was so big. A silverfish is like half an inch big, if that, a quarter yeah. of an inch. <laughs> but this millipede gets like halfway in her ear. I'm not even sure how that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I was cringing watching this scene. Okay. Uh, I don't want to go on and on, but it, it 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 brought up those bad memories. Yeah, I remember you calling me and telling me all about that. And yeah, it's crazy. And now you have to watch this and relive it. <laughs> so Shuichi's mom wakes up screaming as she yanks this millipede out of her ear and throws it. And she grabs a vase and just smashes it on the insect. But then she's confronted by the apparition of Toshio under the bed with that spiral tongue. And he informs her that the Uzumaki is inside her. It's in her ear, Danny. Yeah, I love the Toshio apparition just being like, let me crawl inside you. I want to sleep inside you. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what the silverfish said to me. (laughs) Oh, no. She ends up taking a piece of the broken vase and stabbing it into her ear. So we are off to our second funeral. And we learn that every time someone is cremated, the spiral smoke has become a common occurrence. Only this time, the onlookers are startled when they see the face of Shuichi's mother emerge with these expressions of torment and anguish. Oh, it's terrible. (laughs) We then see the teacher from earlier drawing Uzumaki on papers, as we see that he too is in the process of transforming into a snail. He looks up towards his television with these hideous eyes, and on the news we learn that a typhoon is heading straight for the town. We then get a breaking news alert where a reporter is live in the town reporting on the appearance of the human-sized snails. We see a group of them moving across the outside walls of the school as other students look on in horror and disbelief. Although some of the girls think they're cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these human snails are just disgusting, but they're like, all oh, the pattern on them was so cute. <laughs> Apparently, all the giant snails have disappeared into a forest on the edge of town, and a search is on. But that isn't the only strange thing happening in the town, as we see Sekino walking down the hall, and her hair is barely contained by this hall, as it's just spiraling in every direction. And she even has a whole clique of fangirls, Danny, following her, licking... Uzumaki suckers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the whole town is now pretty much obsessed with the Uzumaki at this point. 
I love how we transition by seeing Kiri and Shuichi turn off the TV. And Shuichi's like, this town's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> now can we go? <laughs> so they decide to flee, but Kiri wants to go get her dad first. We then see the reporter in her van with the crew as they attempt to leave town. We also see the sandal-wearing police officer staring down the barrel of his gun because he's found an Uzumaki pattern, Danny. <laughs> so Kiri enters her father's workspace, but only finds his charm on the floor. And suddenly Shuichi collapses and informs Kiri that the Uzumaki has got him. He looks behind and we see his legs spiraling around one another. Great audio as we can hear what I guess are his bones cracking as this Uzumaki creeps higher and higher up his legs. He ends up dying in Kiri's arms before turning monstrous and he starts crawling after her. And we get a great shot of his body elongating as he twists into what I can best describe as a human serpent. Uzumaki something. <laughs> yeah, I love when... Shuichi dies and Kyrie is mourning Shuichi, but this movie ain't got no time for that as Shuichi quickly awakens again, clearly possessed by the Uzumaki and is like, come into the spiral. It's just so abrupt. I love it. <laughs> yeah, Kyrie is cornered and screams in terror, but we fade to black before we come to chapter four titled Come Into the Uzumaki. And chapter four is extremely brief, and it really only serves as an epilogue. We get static images of the consequences that have befallen those most affected by Uzumaki. We see Sekino is dead from what looks like starvation as her hair has grown wildly around a pole. It's basically turned this pole into a tree with hairy, spiraling branches extending way up into the sky, but leaving her trapped at the base of it, unable to move. We then see the reporter and the van has crashed and everyone appears to be dead and the female reporter seems to have died while transforming into a snail because her eyes are protruding from their sockets. Yeah, it, it's gruesome. <laughs> yeah, that one is particularly nasty looking for some reason. <laughs> we also see the police officer did indeed shoot himself through the eye. And lastly, we see the stretched and spiraled remains of Shuichi on the ground. Even his arms have stretched out and spiraled. Interestingly, though, there's no sign of Kiri in the room. To end, we see a bucket floating in the center of Dragonfly Pond as the spiral clouds give the appearance of a typhoon. And what would be the eye of the storm is centered right over the center of the lake. And we then end where all of this began, with Kiri wanting to share the story of the town of her birth with us. And that's the end of our movie. Yeah, I really like the chapter four ending here, you know, just showcasing what became of all these townsfolk. You know, they almost look like matte paintings, and they're just really fun to look at. You know, they're gruesome, like the guy that shot himself in the face, like the bullet hole looks like an Uzumaki, and yeah, Sekino just looks completely starved to death, and you have that nasty reporter turning into a snail. And I think it just pays homage 
to the manga while also having its own identity here and i really like it and it's got some really cool music playing too it's eerie do you think that kiri died or did she survive like is this her ghost wanting to share the story or did she make it out what do you think i don't know because there's a couple moments in the film like kiri is kind of present for a lot of the major deaths in the film and like she's present in both times that shuichi's dad was filming and so it makes me wonder like is there more to her or not and it's like yeah we're back at the beginning so it's essentially looping is she telling this story again as a ghost or has she always been a ghost i don't know it's really interesting the movie doesn't really give you an answer it's fun to ponder but i personally think she's dead and we just don't see it but what about you yeah i don't know uh that's why i asked you (laughs) (laughs) yeah again any theory is pretty much valid because you don't really have much to go on yeah i just like how it does end back at the beginning you know yeah we make a loop it's a loop just like (laughs) just for the sake of making it interesting i'll say she's survived so you want to give us your final thoughts on uzumaki danny sure so watching uzumaki it got me thinking about just adaptations in general and especially for manga and junji ito's art is nothing short of amazing it's wonderfully crafted spectacularly detailed And I feel like any attempt to adapt that directly, you know, into an anime from the manga kind of loses some of its appeal or charm. You know, some people's art is just so detailed, it was just made to be viewed on a canvas or paper. But Uzumaki film adaptation, it feels like it pays homage to the original manga in many ways, but it's also wholly original. And... I know there's been a handful of Junji Ito anime adaptations. There's even an Uzumaki adaptation in the works. It's supposed to air later in 2022. But for me, I'll take a film adaptation anyway. You know, we talked about how Uzumaki doesn't really have much going on in ways of a story. And honestly, I don't need a story here. Because Uzumaki is almost like a vignette of horror set pieces. It uses superb audio visual techniques, amazing direction to craft a truly unique horror experience. So that's why I enjoy this film, and if you think you'll enjoy that, you should definitely give Uzumaki a try. Awesome. Well said, man. I honestly couldn't agree more. Like, I love this movie. (laughs) I'm so glad we decided to cover it so I could really settle in and watch this again, because it had been a long time. Yeah, it's just a totally captivating watch. You know, it, it, it's one of those films that really uses film as a medium, just through visuals and sound. Like, it just uses it to its full extent. And it, and it is experimental. It's really weird. If you're not into weird films, probably won't like it. But over here at Fraternity, we love weird shit. So we give it two thumbs up. <laughs> All right. Well, we're not going to call it favorite kill this time. But did you find a favorite death? While watching Uzumaki? So my favorite death, I'm going to go with the two-for-one Yamaguchi and the reporter. That's what I went with also. (laughs) Cool. 
Well, we do see quite a bit of Yamaguchi in the film, and to see him meet his demise is pretty entertaining as he gets stuck in the tire and just totally his body gets stretched in unpleasant ways as he gets wrapped around. And again, it's a twofer here. So we get the reporter crashing the car and slamming his head into the windshield. And we can only imagine how his eyeball just popped out and stuck in the windshield. (laughs) It's the kills that leave it up to your imagination that really get to you. And it's just a really awesome, visually striking image as we see that eyeball surrounded by the Uzumaki pattern in the windshield. It's gory. It's visually stimulating. It's everything you want in a, in a kill or a death. Say what you will about Yamaguchi, Danny, but he died for love. <laughs> That's true. He did. You can't say he didn't die for loving someone else. There's a lot of great special effects in this movie, but this is definitely my favorite, especially because this is a lot of gore. <laughs> There's not a lot of bloodletting in this film. It's far more in the realm of the bizarre as far as special effects are concerned. Like, if you haven't seen this movie, just think of this as, like, a Japanese Tim Burton film, and I'm sure you can kind of get the idea. (laughs) (laughs) But this death is gruesome. And at the same time, I find it a bit mind-boggling. I'm not sure how they pulled it off exactly, but I think it's very impressive. Because you have the real actor laying there. And then you have this bloody mess of prosthetics wrapped around the wheel well of this vehicle. It's a very chaotic image. (laughs) Right. And it is certainly the most gory of all the deaths in this film, which is, again, why I like it, too. Yeah. Plus, you get the bonus of the reporter dead inside the car. The spiral crack around the windshield with the bloody eye in the center is an awesome image. Like, that's an album cover right there. (laughs) And as far as this scene is concerned, it's the cherry on top. (laughs) Well, speaking of scenes, Danny, did you find a favorite one? Yeah, so my favorite scene, I think I'm going to have to go with the entirety of chapter four. (laughs) Interesting choice. Yeah, like I said, I really like that this film just ends with showing what happened to the townsfolk and the unique ways that they've all died and how the Uzumaki plays into it. And again, I think it pays homage to the original manga while also being its own thing. And it's, again, I really like this movie for the length that goes to create these interestingly visual deaths. And I really like the song that's playing through it. It's very creepy and it's really a nice cap off to the film. Awesome. Yeah, I can find no fault with choosing that scene. (laughs) Cool. So what about you, Sean? What's your favorite scene? My favorite scene is the climax of chapter one, when we witness Toshio creating his own Uzumaki by spinning his eyeballs around in his head. Nice. I love this movie, but I love it the most when it's still a little grounded. Like, the word grounded with Uzumaki definitely needs to be put in a certain context. (laughs) (laughs) But in chapter two, people start turning into snails and shoving themselves in washing machines, okay? So it kind of goes off the rails. And I'm not saying it's not awesome. It is awesome. But I personally find that I'm most enamored with this movie through chapter one because it has great tension. It's got a great mystery. 
And it still does operate in this realm of weird as fuck, right? Yeah, totally. And another scene I really like is the tense dinner scene when Toshio gobbles up the spiral fish cake and throws a tantrum. Because I love that helplessness where it's like, what do you do when someone in your family is acting batshit crazy? Especially when they're the head of the family. And what do you do, you know? Right. It's been over 10 years since I last saw this film, and my memory had actually combined the dinner scene with the eye horror scene. So it came down to those two for me. And in the end, I definitely think that the eye rolling scene is really good. It's a great ending to chapter one and a great lead in for all of the rest of the horror we're going to see through this movie. (laughs) Awesome choice. Yeah, I totally agree. There is a bit of a different feel to the first chapter as the horror is just brooding it's just starting so i totally understand what you mean like you said this isn't bashing what happens in the later chapters at all like it's all really good but i totally understand what you mean by having that more subtle horror in the beginning as it climaxes with toshio rotating his eyeballs (laughs) (laughs) oh man Well, speaking of rotating eyeballs, I think it's about time we get out of here, Danny. (laughs) Yeah, we're off to make spirals of our own, but we (laughs) want to thank everyone who's tuned in. Thank you for listening. Thank you if you're a new viewer. We hope you stay around, and we're going to keep bringing you horror. That's going to wrap up March, and that's going to wrap up our international horror celebration. We hope you enjoyed it. But trust us when we say we've got an excellent lineup with five weeks in April. So stay tuned and we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody.